as you know, a black mother parenting black biracial children, I've always been really cognizant about where we spend our time, how we spend our time, what I'm teaching them, when I'm teaching them, you know, as many particulars as I possibly was able to cover myself. But I realized um, with that one incident that I needed to be better about teaching like active anti-racism and not just diversity and in doing it in a way where I was, you know, covering it in development the appropriate way and also doing it with fair regularity. Hi, I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools and your host for Work Like a Mother, a podcast dedicated to real conversations with incredible women juggling work, life, and motherhood. Today, I'm thrilled to sit down with Alexandria Scott, founder and editor-in-chief of Ditto Kids Magazine. The murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor rocked me and our nation last spring. I felt an additional responsibility as I sat home watching the atrocious news unfold. What am I supposed to say to my three-year-old son? How early is too early to start talking about race and racism? How can I raise my son to be actively anti-racist? This is really important to me but these are not conversations that my parents had with me growing up. And I have no idea what, when, or how I'm supposed to talk to my boys about racism in America. That's why I'm grateful for parents like Alexandria and resources like Ditto Kids Magazine. These conversations to directly address racism can and must continue for ourselves and our kids. As a Black mother raising multiracial children, Alexandria always knew that she'd have to talk to her kids about race and racism. And yet she was shocked when it started so early. Her daughter was just three years old when a racist comment from another child sent them both reeling. Starting in on these tough conversations, Alexandria realized that even though she was a Black woman and a mom, She was lacking the experience and the framework to know what to say to her young children. What was developmentally appropriate? How much could she share while still shielding them from the cruel world of systemic racism? Answering those questions for herself and for others inspired Alexandria to take an actively anti-racist approach to parenting and create Ditto Kids, a magazine to help other parents do the same. Well, thank you so much for spending Friday afternoon with me. Oh, yeah. I'm happy to. This is and, exciting. <laughs> and sharing your your story and your journey um, with all of us. I can't wait to hear more about what inspired you to start Ditto Kids. Yeah. You know, I, I guess it was my own kids. Um, I have three kids, um, an almost six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. And when my oldest daughter was barely three, um, she, you know, she was home with me. But, you know, we just had a little play date with a new friend. And I wasn't aware, but our new friend's daughter was going through some challenging things. This little buddy, she was about five or six. And, Mm. um... 
I was helping clip them into the car seat and she said something, the older daughter said, or the older friend said something that was, you know, in fact, racist. And of course, you know, she's only five or six. So she's obviously hearing this from somewhere. And I spoke with the child's mother and she was, she was mortified, but mostly she said, you know, she goes with her dad on the weekends and these are things she's picking up from him. And I really just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. She just didn't know what to do. She's like, I, I, I just don't know what to say. You know, in our generation, I think we've all been raised in the like colorblind generation. Mm-hmm. And so now everyone who's a parent, they're kind of like frozen. You know, if, if you're not a person of color, you're, you're just like frozen, I think. Um, and so after that happened, um, my daughter was having trouble, you know, parroting some of these things. And so, you know, I, as, you know, a black mother parenting black biracial children, I've always been really cognizant about where we spend our time, how we spend our time, what I'm teaching them, when I'm teaching them, you know, as many particulars as I possibly was able to cover myself. But I realized um, with that one incident that I needed to be better about teaching like active anti-racism and not just diversity and in doing it in a way where I was, you know, covering it in development the appropriate way and also doing it with fair regularity. But that is a huge task. <laughs> and oh, go ahead. I was just thinking about how not everyone is familiar with anti-racism to begin with. Can you just spend a minute explaining yeah. that? Sure. Yeah. So anti-racism, it's, you know, it's kind of a little bit like I was saying, it's the idea that um, we need to be actively, like not just learning about injustice and racism for the sake of the exercise or for the sake of enlightening ourselves or reading a book just because we need to know education is an important part, but it has to be, it's only anti-racism if there's an action attached that is moving towards liberation for as many people as possible. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for taking a beat to, to explain that. I interrupted your other train of, of thought. Yeah, not at all. So even though I feel like I, 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 at the time, I mean, this was like three years ago or so. And at the time I felt like I had a really good handle on this stuff, but I wasn't a hundred percent as well versed in how to, you know, actually work through this with my child. Mm -hmm. Um, But I knew that I needed some handholding because I am a busy parent and a lot of things slipped through the cracks for me. <laughs> um, and so I, you know, and then I also was thinking about this, this new friend and thinking, wow, I mean, so this, she's white and she, she just didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't, she wasn't trying to not address her kids needs. She was trying so hard, but she was just going about it in a way that wasn't effective. Um, and so I, said, okay, well, maybe I'll make a magazine. And then I said, that's too much work. (laughs) So instead, I'll write a curriculum. So I wrote out a full, like not a full curriculum, but like, you know, a curriculum supplement. I still have it. 
it's, it's sitting here hanging out 200 pages or whatever. Now, had you written curriculum before this? No, I just, I mean, I worked with kids. So my background is I've worked with young kids. Um, I worked at Boys and Girls Club for three or four years. I, I team taught an immersion kindergarten. Um, and then I also worked in nonprofit management for a long time. And so my background's kind of education slash, you know, putting together programs and making them work. Um, yes. But then eventually I came back to the magazine idea because I just, people need something delivered in their mailbox. <laughs> people need something that they can physically hold where a parent can sit with the child. And, you know, if they don't really, like they do need to do the work themselves, but they don't have to be as intimidated mm. because they have the words right in front of them. <laughs> so that's kind of how it came to be. And when did all of this come together from idea all the way through to having the magazine? Yeah, three years. <laughs> it was a long time. <laughs> it's a child in and of itself. I know. Well, and I had another couple kids <laughs> during it. But it, it was good. I mean, it. I, I'll say this much. Something motherhood has really taught me is how to just just like chug away a little bit at a time. And it might take three years, but you'll get there. <laughs> um, one thing that I read and I absolutely love was this idea in part of having the magazine because it's recurring, because it's going to grow and change and you can introduce new concepts. Um, can you share a little bit about why the, that recurring nature feels important? Yeah. Um, you know, this isn't a one-time conversation. You really, it's like anything else. Like you don't just tell your kid to brush their teeth once. You don't tell them to, you know, not grab Tommy's shovel at the sandbox just once because you know it's going to happen a lot of times. <laughs> Imagine how easy life would be though if you could yeah. just say that one time and poof, they would learn it. <laughs> that be amazing for us all, for society as right. a whole, but it's not really the way it works. You know, you always hear that thing thrown around that it takes hearing or learning something seven times until it's like even barely in your brain. I don't know if that's true. But I would guess that with most people, it's, you know, much more than seven times. <laughs> um, so the idea, yeah, that it's coming into your mailbox, um, it's coming into your home, you get that reminder, you have that physical tool in your hand. Um, right now, there are so many amazing anti-bias educators doing a lot of great work to educate parents. And, and educators, which is amazing and really, really needed. But when I started looking around, there wasn't really anything that was directly for kids. Um, you know, I am, I'm a person who like, I mean, I love researching and diving in deep to things. Um, but at some point you just need something like that you could hold in your hands and do by yourself. And you know, I looked around so much um, and I saw that there, there are really great books out there. And um, 
this magazine is, it's just one piece of the puzzle. There's so many other things that parents and educators can and should be doing. Um, and so hopefully it's, hopefully it's helpful for people. <laughs> I think it will be. I'm, I know it will be and hearing your, your passion for it as well. And seeing some of the the beautiful pictures on the site and just how it's come together in such an engaging way for for kids as well. I have a three-year-old and a six-month-old. Um, so I could definitely see my three-year-old gravitating towards all of the, the story component of it too. Well, something that I'm really passionate about is having, I mean, we, we, we worked with amazing illustrators on this first issue and I just feel like like, I don't want to knock printables, especially because I was working on one with this, like, curriculum, but I just felt like we need something that has just really quality illustration so that we're showing kids the importance of this topic. Like, this deserves to be published. Kids deserve to feel like, oh, wow, I have this special, very nice, like, book that, it's a book, basically, that's coming into my home, you know, X number of times a year, and this is an important topic. Um, one of the other great things about it, since you're saying, you know, you have a three-year-old is you can start this with your three, three and a half year old. Um, it's scaffolded. And so the way, the way it's broken up is that we start first with a lot of talk and learning about loving yourself because I just am a big believer that you can't love other people until you love yourself. And um, kids need those messages and they need that affirmation. Um, so we talk about that and then it moves on to loving your friends and the people in your community and your buddies and, you know, celebrating your similarities and your differences and celebrating their stories and your stories. And then it moves to, um, kind of mourning together with some of the sad stories of your friends and learning a little bit about what those are, learning how that those things don't define them, but, you know, just, you know, the details, I guess. And then after that, you know, we don't, I try to keep, I try to keep it written in a way that the kids don't, they don't despair. Um, I don't want adults to be passing like our despair around this topic onto kids because we don't have to despair if we just do something about it. And so the next part of the magazine moves on to what you can do in your sphere and like that active anti-racism part. And so it's something that, you know, you can start with a young child and you move at your own pace, you know, for older kids, like the nine, the 10 year olds, like honestly, a parent could pass them the magazine and say like, read this and then let's talk about it. Um, but for little kids, um, you can sit down and read two pages together and let that soak and simmer for a few days. And then maybe in five days or whatever, you read the next part and just keep going that way and let it build. Such a valuable, valuable resource. And it's incredible that it was really inspired by your children, um, and your, your oldest in particular. What else? do you feel like you've learned from your kids along the way? Well, <laughs> I definitely learned a lot about myself. 
which it feels so selfish to say that. Like, what have your children taught you? They've taught me about me. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you see yourself reflected in your kids so much. And so I I definitely learned a lot about myself. I feel like one of the biggest things I've learned as a parent, I've I've always, and it's probably going to sound kind of silly, but I've always been a person who I have trouble finishing things. Like not in any sort of hugely detrimental way, but just um, I get really tired at the end of projects (laughs) and I love starting things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm as shocked as anybody else that I've been doing this for over three years, (laughs) honestly. But like my kids have really taught me how to you know, just like do a little at a time and grow slowly, but consistently, just like, just the way kids do. Mm, That's a really beautiful way to look at it. Just the way kids do that. They're growing a little bit each day and you're growing this other love of your, your life along with them. And they don't like, they don't get down on themselves. I mean, like a little bit because you know, life, but they just, you know, my daughter, she's, she's turning six tomorrow, actually. And she loves teaching herself. Um, and I am definitely the kind of parent who I want my kids to have the space to, you know, teach themselves things so they can feel that pride and that happiness. And so she, she just finished her first chapter book and she's so proud of herself and I'm so proud of her, but like, it's just been so amazing to see my child, like, basically, you know, teach herself how to read. I mean, I think she started asking about letters when she was an early three-year-old and I'm not really like a pusher when it comes to reading. So, but I I don't know. It's just so rewarding and amazing to see how she's done that little by little by little over the last like three years, basically. And I don't know. Kids are incredible. (laughs) Well, they teach, they teach us so much that is hard to even articulate in some ways. Um, They, from whether that's, you know, appreciating the smallest, tiniest things in life or slowing down or living in the present, all of these things that you never really think about until you have kids or I was just thinking there's construction happening across the street and there's a little digger um, over there. And I was thinking to myself, I've never appreciated construction equipment more (laughs) than when you have a child. So it's little tiny things. And also these really enormous things that can help us throughout our, our lives. Yeah. hundred percent. Actually we have construction going on right now around this too. And (laughs) my kids, it's just like a movie, you know, right there. And they're like, I'm looking out the window for 20, 30 minutes. (laughs) Did you ever expect to have three kids? Was that always part of your plan? Honestly, it's so funny because I come, I come from a big family, five kids. My husband's from a family of seven kids. Um, But honestly, when I was in college and post-college, I didn't even know if I wanted kids, even though I was working with them and I loved them. I just, I didn't know if I wanted kids a hundred percent for sure. But then suddenly I was like, I want children and I want a lot of them. <laughs> and so now it's funny because it's like, 
I'm totally the person who's like, I wish I had my life together more so that I could have, you know, like a huge family, but I'm so tired. <laughs> you have a huge family. Three, three is a lot to juggle, especially when you have this project as well. It's so, it's so fun though. Like I'm, I'm so, yeah, I'm really, really grateful for my, my little ones, especially right now with the, like the pandemic. Um, they have each other to play with. It's really, really great. Yes, I can imagine. I, I, I look forward to a day when they are um, able to interact more with, yeah. with one another. It'll come and it's going to be the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like seriously, because they're just going to go and play together. And it's just easier, honestly. <laughs> I I look forward to that day. It's hard to imagine right now. Um, it's so interesting though that you you shared how you weren't sure if you wanted kids, and then it sounds like you knew though when once you had your first, you were going to have at least two more. Yeah, I yeah, I just like. I, I don't know what happened, but this just like this fire got lit in me and like my kids are, they're just, they're my everything and they, they motivate me so, so, so much. I was, I was planning on going back to work, um, full time. And after I had my, my oldest daughter, my employer let me move down to being part-time from home. And then eventually I was like, yeah, even 25 hours a week is just not for me. Um, and so that's something that's really nice about Ditto Kids. It's flexible um, mm -hmm. for my life and my schedule. And so I can do something that's fulfilling and that's helping the world um, and helping my kids. And I can spend time with them. It's good balance. Yeah, you can you can fill a little bit of each bucket. Yeah, exactly. How do you juggle the kids, ditto kids, everything that comes along with both of those things? Yeah, great question. Um, I hired an accountant <laughs> to help with the, the paperwork. Um, yeah. Um, I'm working on building a team because we're a publisher basically now mm -hmm. and it's pretty, you know, complex. Um, and so I really, I feel like a lot of people, myself included, I've always been like a, I'll just do it all kind of person. <laughs> it's fine. Like I, I love working in a team, but you know, if I want to get things done, I got to do it myself. And that's just not, it doesn't fly. You know, um, uh, my husband has flexible hours, kind of. He, he works in international development and he works for a British nonprofit. So he works early in the morning while everyone in Europe is awake. And then I've been doing, um, you know, the late night kind of shift in terms mm. of my like chunk of uninterrupted time to get things done. And then honestly, I, so I was talking with my brother and he's like, Alex, I had no idea you were really doing this. He's like, when are you getting this done? And I'm like, you know, like there's a lot of time to think when you're doing the dishes. Mm -hmm. Like 
or, you know, there's a lot of time to think when you are trying to figure out miserable Zoom logins for online kindergarten <laughs> or when you're, you know, standing at the playground and watching your kids run around and play together. So I think like, I think, yeah, that's definitely been one thing that has, that I've learned to do is to like, you know, just like the shower principle. <laughs> You know, well, and maximize every moment, it sounds like, yeah. that you you see opportunities to continue to work on the magazine, right. even when it might not seem like you're, you're not just sitting there contemplating, you're doing all of these other things as well. Well, and I think back to when I worked in an office, you know, like nine to five type thing, and I'd be working on programming, and you do sit there and just like try to think things through and figure things out. And, you know, I know more and more companies are moving towards models where they take meetings outside and they go on walks. I mean, these are like the good companies that everyone wants to work for, but you know, and I think it's, they're on to something that, you know, maybe just like sitting down at like a desk and trying to, figure out some sort of creative solution or something isn't the most effective way to get like creative juices flowing. Yeah, definitely. And I think I saw somewhere along the way that you just moved as well. I did. Yeah. So that was fun. Didn't for that to happen. (laughs) Definitely did not intend timing wise for there to be like, pandemic with none of my, with like no childcare and, um, moving and launching the magazine all, you know, happening at the same time. So yeah, we did, we had, um, bought a house and it was getting built and just happened to finish. (laughs) It's been a little crazy, but once again, I've really been concentrating on building like a good team Mm -hmm. so that, you know, we can work together to keep things flowing and make things happen. You have such a sense of positivity and, you know, energy about you, but I know that's not always the the case. I know that there's, you know, life has ups and downs. Where do you turn for sources of strength when it's a challenging moment? Yeah, that's a great question. I was raised like religious, Mm -hmm. so I think um, spirituality more than religion, but spirituality is a big part of my life. And so, yeah, you know, like prayer and just kind of like meditation is a big, a big part of my life. Um, I also, I love being in nature. I have always been a huge just walker. I'm like, it's like me and all the retirees. (laughs) Even when I was in college, I was like, I'm going to go to bed at like 930 but like, I'm going to take an evening walk for an hour and a half and just let my mind be. At the end of every conversation, I ask the same closing question. Okay. And that is, what advice would you give to your pre-mom self? Oh, I love that. I would tell myself, like, you're going to love this, actually, Alex. <laughs> like, you're really going to love this. There's going to be hard moments, but, like, I mean, this is going to be basically your greatest joy. And it, 
I mean, I'm surprised as anybody else, but I, I just, I love being a parent. I love being a mother. Um, and so I think I spent, yeah, I think I spent, I feel like when it comes to parenthood, but especially motherhood, people tend to tell kind of like horror stories, you know what I mean? And it's important that parents share the realities of parenting 100%. Um, but, you know, I feel like maybe as a culture, we've stopped sharing the, um, you know, like the beautiful parts. Maybe it's because they're almost too special to share. I don't know. Um, but that's something that I would definitely tell myself. I love it. Well, thank you so much for spending some time chatting with me. I really appreciate yeah. you making the time. Happy to. It was really fun. Thank you for having me. Enjoy. Of course. I'm Bridget Garsh, and this is Work Like a Mother. This episode wraps up season two. We're spending the next six weeks interviewing another incredible group of women juggling work, life, and motherhood. And we'll be back in April to bring you more amazing stories. I can't wait to share this next season with all of you. Be well.